Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Albany Update. This week, we'll discuss the confirmation of Governor Kathy Hochul's latest picks for the Court of Appeals, New York's highest court. We'll also note some of Hochul's hijinks in promoting recreational weed and offering even more sloppy money for Planned Parenthood and other abortion facilities throughout the state. Also, on the state level, we'll note the passage of a bill that requires all State University of New York campuses to either provide its student body with abortifacients or refer them to someone who will. Then, at the federal level, we need to discuss President Joe Biden's latest proposed transgender rule. This one targets your daughters and granddaughters who are involved in athletics. Let's get started. First up today, the New York State Senate has confirmed two new judges with left-wing reputations to the New York Court of Appeals. On April 18th, the State Senate voted 40-19 to to confirm Judge Rowan Wilson as the next Chief Judge of the Court of Appeals. Judge Wilson has served on the court since 2017. Before the vote, Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort, a North Tonawanda Republican, reportedly stated that Senate Democrats have made politicizing this court and turning it into a progressive activist court their goal. Judge Wilson will become the first African-American chief judge in the history of New York's highest state court. On April 19th, the state Senate voted 47-12 to to confirm former New York Solicitor General Caitlin Halligan to the Court of Appeals to fill the vacancy created by Judge Wilson's elevation to the chief judgeship. Both Governor Kathy Hochul and Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Brad Hoyleman Segal, a Manhattan Democrat, lauded Halligan's long history of advocacy for left-wing causes. Assembly Minority Leader Will Barkley, a Pulaski Republican, commented, Filling vacancies on the Court of Appeals is a serious endeavor. Democrats have used it as an opportunity to approve judges based on a political litmus test, rather than qualifications and merit. Governor Hochul's first nominee for the chief judgeship, Justice Hector LaSalle, was rejected by Senate progressives because they wanted a nominee who would use the court to promote their left-wing goals. By nominating two left-wing judges, Governor Hochul has given in to the Senate's wishes. It is hoped that the two newly confirmed appointees will resist the temptation to allow their ideologies to influence their judicial decision-making. Then, in other state news, as negotiations regarding New York State's long-overdue budget drag on with no end in sight, Governor Kathy Hochul has taken executive action to promote two industries that are dear to her heart. Unfortunately for the rest of us, those two industries are the marijuana industry and the abortion industry. On April 18th, Governor Hochul kicked off a public education campaign called Why Buy Legal New York? The stated purpose of the campaign is to promote safer, informed legal purchase of cannabis from licensed dispensaries in New York. Governor Hochul commented, As we continue to build a healthier and more equitable cannabis market, I am proud to launch this important public education campaign. No, that wasn't a misquote. Our governor is promoting the sale of recreational weed. The governor's pro-marijuana campaign may be partially motivated by self-interest. While Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a law in March 2021 that legalized marijuana for recreational use, the state has been slow to approve marijuana dispensaries. According to Politico, as of February 2023, state-approved marijuana dispensaries were vastly outnumbered 
by illicit competitors that have sprouted all over New York City since the state legalized weed for adults nearly two years ago. New Yorkers are buying weed from behind the counters of bodegas, shopping in unlicensed stores and ordering from underground delivery services. As PBS has noted, the costs involved in producing state-regulated marijuana make it pricier than its unregulated counterpart. And given that state-regulated marijuana is less accessible and more expensive than unregulated marijuana, it should be no surprise that many users continue to purchase the drug illicitly. Unlike the sale of state-regulated marijuana, the sale of unregulated marijuana does not generate tax revenue. Thus, despite the fact that marijuana is a dangerous drug and is banned by the United States government, the state has a financial interest in promoting the sale of regulated weed. Governor Hochul's announcement asserts that New York's cannabis law prioritizes public health and is built on the foundational principles of public safety, social justice, and equitable economic development. But this is nonsense. In fact, marijuana endangers the health of people who use it and jeopardizes public safety because of the presence of impaired drivers on New York's roadways. Just as the state of New York should not promote or profit from casino gambling, the state should not promote or profit from marijuana sales. And if that wasn't enough, just one day after announcing her pro-marijuana campaign, Governor Hochul boasted that her administration had released more than $1.68 million in grants for abortion facilities. New York's Securing Reproductive Health Centers program has reportedly provided taxpayer-funded grants for security enhancements and improvements at 51 abortion facilities around the state. Of course, the governor has displayed no interest at all in providing security updates for pro-life pregnancy centers that have been threatened, vandalized, and subjected to arson attacks since Roe v. Wade was overturned. This funding is separate and distinct from New York's Abortion Provider Support Fund, which serves to expand capacity and ensure access for patients seeking abortion care in New York. Governor Hochul commented, As extremists in the courts and in other states continue their attack on our rights, New York will always fight to support providers and all patients who need care. It's bad enough that abortion and marijuana are legal in New York. What's worse, though, is that we have a governor who encourages and promotes them, and she's using our tax dollars to do it. And sadly, we're not done with abortion-related news yet. The New York State Legislature has passed the Public University Abortion Pill Mandate Bill. The legislation, which was emphatically opposed by New Yorkers for constitutional freedoms, will mandate that all State University of New York schools and City University of New York schools and community college in New York provide abortifacients to students. Specifically, this legislation will require public colleges, student health centers, to make abortion pills available on campus. If any public college is not able to make abortion pills available on campus, that college will be required to provide information and referrals about where students may obtain such pills off campus. The State Assembly passed the bill on April 18th by a vote of 100 to 49. There was bipartisan opposition to the measure. All Assembly Republicans voted against it, and they were joined by two Democrats. Assembly members Marianne Butenschein, a Democrat from Marcy, and Simka Eichenstein, a Democrat from Brooklyn. All other Assembly Democrats who were present voted in favor of the bill. In the State Senate, the legislation passed on April 19th by a vote of 42 to 18. 
Democratic Senator Simka Felder, a Brooklyn Democrat, voted against the bill. All Senate Republicans who were present voted against it, except Senator Robert Rolison, a Poughkeepsie Republican. He voted yay. Aside from Senator Felder, all other Senate Democrats who were present voted for the bill. To facilitate the passage of the bill, state Senate leadership bypassed the chamber's committee process. The bill was assigned to the Senate Higher Education Committee, but the committee never acted upon the bill. Instead, the bill was removed from the committee on April 17th and was passed by the full Senate only two days later. Governor Kathy Hochul, an impassioned advocate of unfettered access to abortion, is expected to sign this destructive bill into law. And now, moving to the federal level. On April 6th, the Biden administration made another attempt to impose its radical transgender ideology upon the entire nation. The U.S. Department of Education proposed a new rule that could deprive educational institutions of federal funding if they do not allow transgender students to compete in opposite-sex sports. According to World, the proposed rule would apply to public primary and secondary schools, as well as colleges that are federal funding recipients. The administration has taken the position that blanket policies against transgender students playing opposite-sex sports violate a federal law that bans sex discrimination. World reports that the rule would forbid schools from categorically barring transgender students from joining a team of the opposite sex. The proposed rule would reportedly allow most transgender elementary school students to play opposite-sex sports. Regarding older students, the rule would allow sex-related criteria that limit participation of some transgender students in some cases. The Associated Press reports that restrictions around trans athletes' participation would not be allowed unless they served important educational objectives such as fairness in competition and reduction of injury risks. The proposed rule will be subject to a 30-day comment period before it is finalized. At first blush, the proposed Biden administration rule appears to be a compromise measure. After all, the rule would allow schools to keep sports single-sex in some cases. According to Nicole Neely of Parents Defending Education, however, the Biden administration is trying to have their cake and eat it too inject gender identity into athletics while placing the onus upon school districts to determine whether doing so would be problematic or not. Without a doubt, institutions are going to err on the side of inclusion because they fear the wrath of the education department. Well, single-sex sports should remain single-sex. Allowing males to play girls' sports is unfair to girls and deprives them of opportunities for success. If the Biden administration cannot manage to defend this simple proposition, it should stay away from this issue altogether. And in our remaining moments today, I'd like to invite our brothers and sisters in Christ to join me in the following prayers during the month of May. First, that the Lord would bless our upcoming May 23rd Legislative Day event, and that the event would bless and edify everyone who intends. In fact, I'd encourage you to visit our website at albanyupdate.com or newyorkfamilies.org and check out how you can register for that day. We're looking forward to welcoming Craig DeRoche from Family Policy Alliance, Mike and Julia Peace of Bethel Express in Rochester, New York, and Coach Joe Kennedy, the football high school coach who went all the way to the Supreme Court to protect his right to pray. You can find out more about Legislative Day on May 23rd at our website at albanyupdate.com. Other prayer requests for this month 
are that the Lord would cause Governor Kathy Hochul and legislative leaders to pass a New York State budget that does not include objectionable provisions. That the Lord would bless and protect efforts in states across the nation to protect human life and to promote the truth about sexuality and gender identity. That the Lord would protect New York's pro-life pregnancy centers against harassment from government officials and against violence and vandalism from pro-abortion extremists. And that the Lord would protect children and young people against the destructive transgender ideology and the devastating medical treatments associated with it. And that the Lord would raise up a generation of politically active Christians who have a passion for influencing New York government for the Lord. Thank you for joining us in prayer. And if you'd like to join us in prayer on a more regular basis, every Tuesday morning there is a weekly capital prayer call with other believers across the state coming together to pray for the needs of New York. If you'd like to learn more about that, you can visit our website at albanyupdate.com prayer. That's albanyupdate.com prayer. There you can sign up to receive the weekly capital prayer call email that gives you prayer requests for that week and then proper information for how you can log in and participate. We usually begin each week with a little roundup of the news from the week and take a few questions so you can pray more intelligently about the issues. If there's a bill moving that you should know about, well, we're going to tell you about it on that call. And if there's legislators we can pray for, and each week we pray for three of them, well, you'll learn about them on that call and how you can pray. So please commit to praying for the state of New York by joining our weekly Capital Prayer Call. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.